Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing relatively well, all things considered. <laughs> how about you? I, I I understand that completely. I uh, I want to take the this time right now. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for a little bit of time in your day, especially in these days. Welcome to the Electric Theater. And um, really, I was been really looking forward to this uh, having this chat. Uh, it's going to be very intriguing for me. So I hope you don't get annoyed uh, with some of my questions and and really the whole idea behind my sort of thought process is just two people in the world having a conversation because they can. And uh, hopefully it's interesting for other people maybe one day to check it out. So thank you so much for uh, being on the show and hanging out with me. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited and thrilled to talk to you. And I don't really find too many questions annoying, so fire away. Well, thank you. I Well, you know, I, I like to try and jump right into conversation, rather get caught up in what's going on in the day. Uh, you know, we're all very aware, and we'll, we'll touch on some of that, but I like to just, you know, get right into it. So I'm, I'm just trying to think of my – I tell everybody <clears throat> I kind of let music find me, so I, I won't – I love music. Music's sort of my god, and – I, I I won't go out and like try and find it. I I let it seep into my life, and it does brilliantly. Mm. Always has, and that's what works for me. So I I don't really go out in the world and try to educate myself by, you know, too much information from the internet. You know, I like I'm old school. I like to talk to people. I like to look into yes. people's eyes. I like to handshake. You know, I'm a hugger. The, the, these things, right? So. Excuse me if I don't know everything or I'm not too knowledgeable about some things. It's deliberately made that way that, you know, we can just have a regular thing. But so I just I want to kind of touch on things that kind of interest me. And the first thing that that I'm really interested in is just the word, just Mm. the word which. So I I think where my mind goes is without like understanding what that word is for you, do you like that word first and foremost? Do you enjoy that word or is it frustrating? Mm. I love the word, but it is definitely a word that brings up a lot of emotions in people, a lot of misconceptions, Um, But I think it's a really important word that is being reclaimed and has been being reclaimed as a very positive, beautiful word uh, for the last two centuries or so, because I think a lot of people hear that word witch and they associate it with, um, you know, villains in movies or fairy tales. They might think of the witch hunts that took place you know, between approximately the 15th and 17th centuries in Europe, and then, you know, on the tail end of that here in the U.S. in Salem, although it was just a tiny, tiny little bit here in the States compared to what Europe went through. Um, And so there's a lot of, I think, fear and discomfort around that word. But since the 19th century, we've seen a lot of incredible writers and artists 
and spiritual people reclaim the word witch as this positive word to signify somebody, um, it, and it can be someone of any gender, but it's usually someone who is at least engaged in what I'll call feminine energy. Um, often it's women, but not always. And people who have the power to transform themselves and transform the world. Um, and depending on who you ask, that can be a metaphorical transformation or a literal transformation. And so for me, witches are these really rebellious, feminist, free thinkers. And because of that, you know, certainly there are people who are threatened by them. Uh, but overall, I think it's a really positive word and one that I'm really proud to identify as myself. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I've always liked the word myself, too, growing up and um, never really never really studied it too much uh, for the reasons you were saying it being I, – I felt it was always generated more – around the the woman's side of things. So, it, you know, it interests me, but, like, I didn't really go in too much because I was more studying, you know, what I could feel was proper for me at the moment, you know. But uh, it's always fascinated me. So with that, with, with understanding, so the next part of it, which you kind of helped me, like, kind of, like, ease into it is that, I love the idea that you're saying the empowerment of like, you know, very strong feminist belief and empowering change, these sort of things. But do you, um, is there, is there practicing involved? Do you, for me, I believe, I mean, do you practice magic? I guess that I'll just come out with it. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. So, Go ahead. You do do. The question is, do you practice magic then? Yes. So I use the word witch in a lot of different contexts in regard to myself. So um, I am a pagan. So my spiritual practice is paganism. So I was raised Jewish, and it's not like I, you know, have handed in that card. That's still part of my heritage too. But um, paganism is is a really big part of what centers me and how I celebrate the cycles of the season and how I honor the fact that there is spirit in everything. Um, I also do do rituals and cast spells. I have a coven that I'm part of. So, you know, a lot of the trappings that I think people are assuming when they hear the word witch, yeah, that, that is certainly something that is incorporated into my life. Um, but the word witch is also a part of my identity as someone who feels a deep kinship with outsiders and people who have been oppressed for being, you know, different or not being, you know, part of the white, cis, heteronormative patriarchy, right? Because witches are really antithetical to all of that. And so I also identify with the witch as an archetype. Um, and so I think that's what sometimes confuses people a little bit because the word witch has become really trendy lately. 
And some of it is that, yes, more people are reading tarot cards and, you know, doing herbalism and, and casting spells, and that's really wonderful. But there's also a lot of people that are calling themselves witches because they see it as, you know, this symbol for resistance and rebellion. And that's certainly something that's important to me, too. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. It's, 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 uh, it's awesome that you touched on it because, honestly, I would say in the last couple of years, I would feel that it was random, but now speaking to you, it's a little less random in my mind thinking about it. But I've had numerous of people just in odd moments kind of refer to themselves as that, as a witch. And I do believe a lot of these people are very strong, um, very strong individuals who speak out about what needs to be spoken about and are, are taking mm-hmm. matters in their own hands, very impressive, but dropping that word, and I've just downloaded it. I was like, huh, that was weird, you know, because yeah. I, associate, I associate the word with more just the, the overall umbrella magic. I, 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 when I think about it, but I do know, I do know that there's much more to it, and, it, you know, so I think that's what I'm trying to – catch on as this other possibility of what it is besides just being practicing magic, which could be in the ritualistic form and other things, that there is this side of confidence and that the word can represent uh, another sort of mindset, right? Absolutely. Um, And that makes me think of the fact that so many artistic people like yourself I think naturally gravitate towards magic or towards, you know, at least questioning ideas of the spirit or the invisible world or using your intuition. And I actually teach a workshop with a dear friend of mine named Jonica Stuckey, uh, where we talk about ways to use magical techniques to generate creative work. Because to me, Art making is very magical. I mean, you are taking these images, words, music, you know, of your imagination, or perhaps you believe it comes from some outside force or spirit, depending on who you're asking. And then you're using that to shift people's energy and consciousness. Like I think about what you do as a musician And the energy that you're tapping into, you know, both when you're writing music and making music, but also when you're performing in front of that crowd, like, I would guess that you feel some kind of energetic shift happening. Am I right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So, and the fact that, you know, you guys wear masks, I mean, that is such an amazing ceremonial ritualized um, kind of symbol, right? And so that's really interesting, too. So I think a lot of creative people gravitate towards these notions, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to call yourself a witch. And yet I see a lot of similarities between what you and other artists and makers do 
and what, you know, witches and other magic practitioners do. Like, I think there's a lot of blur between magic making and art making. And sometimes I think they might even be the same thing. I don't know. Well, it could, they, they definitely could be connected from the, the same zone of, you know, the mm-hmm. human. Um, it's interesting what, where I want to go next, because I do want to touch on a little bit of what I do compared to what you do, because it's cool that you've looked in and you can see some stuff, because maybe you can explain. I've had a lot of, you know, I'll call the people that I hang out with out in the world that, that like, you know, we'll have a festival or something, and I'll, I've made these friends, but we only catch up at these sort of things. But I'll call them my heads, you know. They'll be the heads of the whatever. But um, we have... You know, there's definitely stuff that happens that that goes on with what we do. And I've always felt it's a little bit more than just a performance. You know, I call it Mm -hmm. throwing shapes. We we in Slipknot call it throwing shapes. And other people call that, you know, do say this as well. But, you know, I throw shapes when I perform. And people, they take them on. They, they, they feel it. They see it. It's, you know, I can throw this emotion that's in a shape and they can be overwhelmed by the feeling of this emotion from a, 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 a sort of a far distance and just mm. be taken, taken away from it. It's not, it's not like I'm throwing a Mortal Kombat move or something, but <laughs> I, I, I'm caught up in in these lyrics, I've decided to, I decided to sacrifice my life to be a performer, to uh, allow myself to rid myself of emotion that hurts pain to Mm. cleanse it, you know, not unlike lifting weights, exercising, running, uh, perform, you know, performing for me is how I get it out, but I share it intimately on purpose the intent is to throw it, give it, hand it, not hand it over, not burden, but we're here. We're experiencing these words with these musics. It's real. I'm going to hand it to you in a shape and an emotion, a feeling and a temperature, and you're going to burn. You're going to feel it. You're going to, you're going to have it. And you might be taken away. You might just be so overcome, especially I've chosen like a particular sort of mask and the reason why I have is because I just feel like I have artistic schizophrenia and it's like I, I have all the emotion and none of the emotion at the same time at no time at all. So mm. a clown, a clown's a little overwhelming for some because it's just so much saturation. Clowns can go from black and white to all the color in, in no time at all the time, like I was just saying. Right now, right here at no time, and people just fall out, and that there's yeah. a lot of practicing. And this is bring, the reason why I'm talking about was going to be the next thing I was going to ask you, from which to practicing. Let's talk about the responsibility of practicing, the the mm-hmm. real responsibility of being. There is no such thing to me as in control. So practicing could mean. You know, it could go the other way. It could be very dangerous. It could be very, um, it could be an obstacle 
not unlike fire that could just get away from you so quickly for some reason you couldn't even comprehend. So what do you think about the responsibility of your choices of what you've chosen to get into the unknown, dive into it? Have you ever been close to, a, a, let's not call it a mistake, but have you ever been close to a responsibility that was going the other way that you had to learn real quick and maneuver? What do you think about sure. this, this sort sure. of kind of thought? Yeah, so what that brings up for me is, you know, there's a lot of debate in the witchcraft community about whether or not it's okay to, you know, cast a hex on someone or a curse or do negative magic. And I personally don't do that kind of magic. Um, if there is someone who might be deemed, you know, dangerous or threatening, I have learned to do instead of hexes or curses where you're hurting that person, you're attacking them, rather to focus on spells that protect me, that strengthen me. Um, the most I'll do in a situation like that is what's called a binding spell or a banishing spell, which is more about getting you know, that person energetically to stop hurting other people rather than hurting them. Um, so that's my orientation into, you know, the stuff that can be a little bit dicier. Um, and most of the witches I know, you know, uh, practice in that same way. But certainly I remember when I was a teenager and I was experimenting and, you know, glamorous, magical suburban New Jersey and, you know, reading my little spell books and, you know, um, experimenting with whatever I could find in the house in terms of ingredients. I did do a hex against this girl who, you know, in my perception and my sophisticated eighth grade mind was a real jerk. This was a, a girl who was a total jerk and I don't know, I think she was dating the boy I had a crush on, whatever. And I must have been maybe 13 years old. I did a spell, a hex, and the next day, and I kid, kid you not, she came into school covered with boils. Essentially what happened is she had fallen asleep in the sun. You know, she had put way too much you know, suntan oil on her, and she got all these sun blisters all over her body. And I tell you what, this scared the shit out of me. And whether or not I caused this to happen or it was just a huge coincidence, you know, it certainly left me with this feeling of like, oh, my God, I could, I, I could potentially hurt someone with this. And just how I am in the world, I'm not someone who believes in, you know, attacking other people and aggression and violence in a, in a, you know, unhealthy, toxic way. And so I have never done that kind of magic since then. Um, because, you know, I, I can't pretend I understand how it all works. Some people think maybe it's a placebo effect. Other people think you're tapping into some weird laws of quantum physics. What, whatever it is, I know that this has been really effective for me or I wouldn't bother doing it. And therefore, I do have a lot of responsibility around the energy I carry and the intention that I put out. 
in my life in general, but particularly in whatever kind of magic I'm making. Right. I, I should have, I should have stated a little more clearly. I really uh, thank you for, you know, giving me that. I, I kind of, I was leaning more to, I don't feel like from here where I sit and where you sit, I don't feel like you're someone I'm just not getting that where you would be someone who would do something harmful. I wasn't like, I was more talking about uh, the responsibility, like, you know, you're honed in on your craft and maybe you're just doing something that's innocent, you know, just, 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 just something that's very positive, but because it's real, because it's ritual, because it's magic, there's a, there's a responsibility even knowing the simplest things, the understanding the makeup mm. of every little thing. Has, you know, where I was kind of going, I was like, when, you, when you're living your life with this stuff, has it ever shown its face where it's like, hey, you have to take this seriously? But you answered it. You answered it by that story that, yes, you know, it, you know there it is. Um, this possibility that's been opened in in our human minds that this system absolutely won't allow to ta- you know any of us to tap into or be aware of. I mean, it's just too hard already with who we are as humans to make it work. Let alone let us all be cut open to our natural abilities. You know. Um, mm. I mean, what that brings up for me is just the notion that. I think all humans have responsibility. We all have gifts, right? And mine happens to express itself via, you know, creativity. I'm a, I'm a writer and a podcaster and a teacher um, and a witch. You know, yours is you have this incredible power of music and art and, you know, that whole Spider-Man cliche of with great power comes great responsibility I think is true because, not only do we have the responsibility for whatever it is we're putting out in the world and whatever it is we're manifesting, whatever energy we're carrying or transferring, but we also have the responsibility towards people who, you know, enjoy our work or who might be learning from us. And, you know, as someone who occasionally, you know, leads workshops and ceremonies, Similarly to you, you're on these huge stages all the time, right? There is this danger, I think, that comes with what people project onto anyone who is perceived as a, a you know, some kind of leader. Um, and that is something I think about a lot because you will find people who think that you have all the answers, that you can fix them, that you can do a spell and take all their pain away. And in fact, or write a song and take all their pain away, right? But in fact, I think it comes down to all of us as individuals who have to take responsibility for ourselves and our own gifts and how we express them in mindful ways. And so, you know, certainly I am so honored that people are connecting to my work, but I never feel comfortable telling people, okay, here's exactly how you do a spell. You know, my orientation towards all of this is I can, you know, certainly um, communicate about principles or guidelines, but I want people to feel comfortable making their own magic. You know, I think the spells work not just because you're following some recipe in some book, 
But actually, when you're personalizing it and you're trusting your own intuition and your own magic and, and making your own spells. So that's, that's what I think of when I think of the word responsibility. You know, I never want someone to think that I can, you know, make all their dreams come true or heal them immediately or anything. I, I'm quite happy to hopefully inspire people to figure out how to do that for themselves. I like that. That's, it's a real thing. That honestly, I mean, it's really cool because I'm kind of like, I think just by the answers and the questions, it, it keeps rolling down to what I want to, you know, talk about. And the big, the biggest thing, it seems like, you know, I got your book and again, I'm, I'm just going to be totally honest. I mean, I just, I don't normally have time to read anything, you know, but I go of through course. it. I pick, I, I pick things and I look at it not only for respect, but for interest. I'm definitely interested. And in, in my life, I'm going to go through this whole thing. Um, but I, I didn't even look at, I, I thought there might be a picture of you on it. And I didn't even look at the back or the inside yet. Cause I want to talk to you first. And now I'm looking at the picture uh, your picture and stuff. But one thing I was getting immediately um, by looking into this was this concept, this fascinating concept. So for me, <clears throat> I have this sort of thought. And the thought is that ever since I was a little kid, I'm 50 years old now, I'm going to be 51 in September. And ever since I remember, as many references as I can tell you in life about this next thought have always been the same. And what it is is that scientists and, you know, people and whoever the hell they are in my life have always expressed this notion that human beings only use up to a certain potential of mm-hmm. their brain, of their brain. And certain people like, Einstein and other people have utilized a little bit more of their brain. So I, from a distance, just kind of look at that numbly. You know, I just, I numb myself to the system and the books and the words. I just look back and I try to get Cro-Magnet, man, and just kind of like get a guttural instinct on this theory of what you're talking about, right? And and what I'm saying is, why do they, why do they say that? Maybe it's because we already use 100% of our brain and we need to be told that we only use our up to 12%. I don't know why we're always being told this or how people are educating themselves about how much we're tapping into something we don't even know about. So what little bit I got into this was this, this whole thing of being able to recognize these abilities within oneself to conjure reality, you know, to, to, to take things, mix things, thoughts, words, the ability to change uh, not only people but situations around you by the inability of belief, questioning oneself, saying, I feel this way, but I've been told I can't act this way or do this. It's not accepted or something, but I'm going to do it. You do it. It feels right, uh, whether it's a thought, a story, a situation, a conversation, and then you continue. So this ability to look that inward, how long in your life have you been tapped in to knowing that you should look more inward? 
Yeah, that, that's a wonderful question. Um, and I've heard that a lot too, that humans only use a certain percentage of our brains. And, and for me, I don't know if the number matters. I do believe that people are conditioned to stop trusting their instincts at a very young age and to think that the imagination and, you know, even play, to think that these things you know, are not valuable. And so we're taught to cut off, you know, part of ourselves or our interests or our natural abilities in that way. And I'm very, very blessed because I grew up in a household where both my parents were really creative and they just wanted me to be myself. So I was a kind of kid. I was a little weird. I loved to read and I loved anything having to do with magic and mythology. And, you know, for me, casting spells and drawing a picture were, were kind of part of the same spectrum. And I'm just very lucky that my parents never made me feel ashamed of it. They never said, oh, you know, you're getting a little old to like magic. You're getting a little old to be into unicorns or whatever the hell, right? They just really allowed me to follow my path. And I believe that a lot of people have that instinct and they gravitate towards magical stories. Think of all the magical stories that were, were told when we're children. And then suddenly we're just supposed to grow up and not be interested in it anymore. Um, so I think many more people are interested in magic and spirituality than they might even realize. And it's funny because a lot of people who like my work or listen to my show or whatever, they often tell me a similar thing that they loved magic and then they got away from it for a while. And now they only feel like they have kind of the permission, I suppose, or the validation to come back to it as something that's worth thinking about and reading about and studying and learning. And, um, you know, I, I just feel very grateful that I was encouraged to just follow this through, you know? That's, uh, that seems to be, I think, you know, the big part of life that I've been acknowledging lately is just parents, um, you know, the reward system, the, the basic necessity of reward within a human's psyche, you know, so I break it down to, you know, you're, you're an infant, you're, you're, you're trying to walk or you're a toddler or whatever, you're beginning to try and learn how to walk, you take your first step, your parents just praise so much love and excitement, you're walking within a day because of all that reward. So it, how, you know, it's just so important for parents to acknowledge and reward, and it sounds like, you know, your parents accept it and allow you to be you. But, you know, I have four kids, and I always thought they were mine. And mm. you, know, you, you realize real quick that they're theirs. And you have to make, you know, as a father, I've got to be like, whoa, <laughs> these are people. And I find it interesting to not want, I don't want my kids to be like me. I, I encourage them to be them. I'm not going to get caught up on, like, you need to play football. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to yep. happen. They're, th they're them. 
you know. So that's really cool that you were allowed to kind of search in your way for what what you enjoyed. Um, Absolutely, and and also, you know, which isn't to say my parents didn't also teach me you know, the more practical <laughs> kind of lessons that kids have to learn. And I sometimes think people, not you clown, but some people assume that if you're a witch, that means you're not grounded. And, you know, myself and most of the witches that I know are very high functioning people who pay our rent on time and, you know, do our taxes and, you know what I mean? It's not just that we're living in this airy fairy world. And in fact, I think a lot of being a witch is about integration, you know, integrating the dark and the light, integrating the spirit and the body, integrating, you know, pain and joy, um, which I, I also think is, is kind of different from a lot of the, you know, capital R religions that, teach us, oh, we only want to be in the light and get into heaven or whatever. And, you know, I imagine that a lot of people gravitate towards your music, for example, because I'm sure they feel lots of joy when they're listening. But I also think you probably are helping them through a lot of shadow, too. And I think that's really important. Um, So, yeah, when it comes to the idea that you're allowing your kids to just be themselves, whatever gifts they have, I think that is just the greatest thing because, you know, yes, you're a parent. You're also their guardian, right? You're a guardian of their souls flourishing and and allowing them to be whomever they are here to be. Well, I, you know, as you get older, You know, I refuse to believe I'd ever be in a midlife crisis, but at 50, I got to say that if that's the way the general public wants to say it, then okay, I'll have to dumb my own brain down and and submit and say, okay, I'm having a midlife crisis, if that's what it is. But really, for me, it's the acknowledgement life is coming crashing down on the reality of what is important. Um, You know, We've we've had some loss in our family, as everybody does, and you know, and just you look back, and you start asking yourself what really is important. So that's what's really going on with me these days. Is like I'm stripping away the system. I'm stripping away what anybody who is caught up in the system trying to make me believe what is more important than my own existence are the ones I love around me. That anything is more important than that. Life, you know, yeah. uh, two people getting together, choosing to live their lives together. They're human beings. I threw out the word. I, I'm done with the word wife. I even tell my my wife this. I'm like, I'm done with that. Done with the word marriage. I'm done with all this BS because we're human beings. She doesn't have wife duties. You know, she doesn't right. have wife duties. She doesn't. I don't have you know, husband duties. We're two human beings choosing to live our lives together. So we're, we, we have duties upon each other with respect and trust and communication as humans. And that's how I'm getting, like, I'm just getting so stripped down so quickly. I've been uh, out in the yard, fixing up my yard, getting back in touch with trees, things that I was really around when I was a kid and the communication. And I, I don't particularly like birds. 
Okay, they just, <laughs> I had a bird, my mom had a bird, and they're just very fragile, and that's what, they're just very anxious and fragile, and and they can fly, and they're beautiful, but because they're fragile, I just particularly don't like them much, and they're just so nervous, and I'm nervous enough, I don't need to be around things that hearts move at a ungodly amount <laughs> of, of rate, but I've been lately opening my heart you know, my soul to the birds. And at one point in my yard, I live on an acre, and in my yard I, I was able to count 10 conversations. I was able to stop the noise in my head, the phone, leave it some random place, not care, just tell everyone I'm doing something and this has got to happen. And at one point, just sitting down and really not unlike putting on headphones and listening to guitar players, drummers, all these people playing and having to play my part, not unlike that, I was able to pick up 10, and I'm not exaggerating, 10 conversations or actions being spoken. And it really levitated me to uh, a different zone because I was reaching into some ability that's been being clouded out by things like responsibility with numbers and, and things that just really, they exist in like a, a linear digital way, but they, they're not, they don't, it's not in my pockets, not even on my checkbook. It's not even in a ballpoint pen. So I love this, this, these ideas of just continuously going with instinct, like you were saying, going with instinct, acting on it, seeing where it leads and just shuddering because of it and then building on it. Yes. And what you're describing too about connecting with nature, I would argue or offer that you're also connecting with your own body, right? Your presence, you're feeling the breeze, you're using your ears, you're listening. And a lot of witchcraft or being a witch is just that. It's it's not just about casting spells or whatever. It's also about, you know, celebrating the changes of the season, celebrating the cycles of the moon and the different energies that come with the different phases. It's about connecting to the sounds of the birds. Um, and there's this word that I love, which is somatic, S-O-M-A-T-I-C, which essentially refers to the body or being in the body. And a lot of magic is somatic. In other words, you are generating energy and shifting your consciousness, not just by your thoughts, that's part of it, but it can also be through dancing, through drumming, through trance, through sex, through art. I mean, and that's all about incorporating and celebrating the senses of the body too. So I think that's really great. And I want to be clear. I think there's a lot of beauty and truth to be found in all religions. But I think when religion gets a little bit shady and potentially even really damaging is when it cuts us off from our instinct and our bodies and makes us feel ashamed of our instincts and our bodies. And so I think the fact that you're naturally, instinctively, being out in nature more as a modality of healing and stress relief and, and connection 
is really powerful. And I think that's why more and more people in general are gravitating towards alternative modes of spirituality because human beings want to feel connected. We want to feel connected to ourselves, to each other, to nature, to spirits. And a lot of ways that religion has been taught to many of us, not always, but often, is about making us feel ashamed of those parts of ourselves. Um, so I think it's beautiful that you're seeking new ways to feel that connection. Yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, I, I go into such a place live. It's a real thing, you know. I disappear within the moment and the communication and the, the, the feelings, the, the spirituality between humans and myself uh, collaborating in, in the feelings, you know, uh, that's where I've been for so long. My whole day is preparing for that and only for that. It's the way I talk on the phone. It's what I choose to eat. It's, it's you know, how I sleep, everything to get on that stage and give every ounce of energy and be soulless to offer the human condition over and basically, for me, you know, it's funny because uh, my therapist says I only tell the truth uh, when I wear the mask. And, yes, yes. <clears throat> but I would have never told him. I mean, that's an absolute true thing that, that I just said, and I'm giving it away. But the reason why I'm giving it away is because um, I'm working hard on telling the truth. I'm working hard on being able to acknowledge the fact that when I'm there, you're going to get the reality behind this human being. Um, it's deeper conversation, obviously, and would take a lengthy amount of time of why that is. It comes up with a lot of upbringing and things that happened and just and what have you. But um, the only way that I can really practice what I need to practice is I need that, and I need that to be able to help me be able to translate uh, what it is. And the only way to truthfully translate what I feel, I have to translate. I have to sort of have a blank canvas. And even though it's a clown mask or an entity that people can subscribe to in their brains, they void me out. They void my face, mm -hmm. my hair color. Oh, he's doing something different with his hair, or he's got contacts in, or he needs to fix his teeth. Whatever it is, I'm, they're void of it because they got to deal with that canvas, and that's the canvas I've chosen. They got to start there, and that helps me be the catalyst, you know, um, the inhibitor or whatever. I can get right in, but it's a beautiful thing, and especially when people and yourself and I'm saying this because I'm asking you, it's, it's a beautiful thing when two people together are really using instinct and freeing themselves from this system that I want to remind everybody humans have made. We have made yep. this system that we're locked to. So it's very weird to me that there's still people that would buy into a worthless system. I mean, we got to have some things, but anyway, what I'm saying is when you do what I wanted to bring up was tarot. Do you do real quick? Do you read tarot? It's so interesting. Speaking of instinct that you bring that up because I was about to bring up tarot to you 
And the reason is, well, let me answer your question. I'm actually in the process of writing a, um, like the, the little book that goes along with a tarot deck. I didn't do the artwork. It's this other amazing artist named Elisa Setzinger and it's for Sabbath magazine. Um, but essentially, so I, I love tarot. I wouldn't call myself an expert reader just because I'm friends with so many of the world's experts. Um, and I just couldn't bring myself to put myself in their category, but I love tarot and the image of the clown makes me think of the very first tarot card, which is the fool. And for people who aren't familiar with tarot, the fool is not about being an idiot or, you know, it, it's, it's about having this open beginner's mind. And the clown and the fool are very tied to each other because they can, due to that, you know, that... Um, that innocence, that sense of play, that sense of surrender, they are trusted more. I mean, think of the court gestures throughout time, right? Even though they were funny or scary or weird, they were the people who could tell the truth the most because they, you know, were um, able to use costume and song and humor and all these things, entertainment to help get those truths to their audience. So the clown and the fool and the jester are really sacred archetypes. And I feel like you're somehow tapping into them, you know, the fact that you've gravitated towards this image. Or maybe I should ask you, does that resonate with you at all? Well, it absolutely does. With me, I'm just going to be honest. With me, I have a very intense life. And anytime I start tapping more, um, you know, it, it swirls. It gets, mm-hmm. it's, it's quick. I'm in. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm risk-free. I'm, I'm all in, but I'm responsible. That's what what we've been talking about. Like I'm not all in irresponsibly. I'm 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 very responsible. Um, I don't hide anything. I try to live my life the best I can to not lie, cheat, or steal. Everyone around me knows this. Makes me very trusted. Makes me very trusted, and I can be. I'm proven. You know. I mean, my agenda isn't just to be something else. At the end of my life, that I wasn't my whole life. So I'm very, I'm very been tapped in a long time, but I've been in a different zone. You know, I'm part of a, a whole. I'm one part of a whole, which puts my part on hold. You know, and um, but I'm now seeking my own individual wholeness, um, not breaking away from the hold you know, are the whole of the other members and my, my world, you know, but I'm finding myself and giving in to what is undeniable. I guess that's what it is. It's like my life begs me to be more, but I resist it because, you know, I'm in the system. I, there's business, there's, there's, there's practical things that have to take place in order to maneuver through life, being who I am with children, 
husband, you know, I'm a husband, I, I have children, I have a mortgage, like you said, you know, I'm functioning, but, you know, if I were to disappear a little bit more, I don't know what I'd start doing. And it's getting close. You know, it's getting real close to just letting all the way go and cutting myself open to see what my true potential really is and quit denying my path to what what it's supposed to be. But I love tarot. Um, I had a friend who was in, I probably still in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, but I had mm. my... I had my cards read to me um, by this gentleman, and at the end of it, when we were done, he handed me the deck and said, "This is yours now." And it was a great, it was a great experience, and we took it to the the rim. And um, I'm very interested, and I want to make my own deck sometime. But I want to go further than the decks. I want to go to the rim of the solar system that we're at now. You know the the furtherment. Um, I think it's. I think we're able to go there now. I think we have enough acknowledgement past where we're at, with further knowledge. You know, more planets, more things. There's more. I would be interested in trying to take the card a little bit past the rim that we do it now. Uh, but might not make sense. But uh, one day I'm going to get fully into it. And uh, I, I read a little bit, um, but unfortunately, I have a problem with words and, and just association sometimes. So I, I got the theories, but sometimes the, the actual words and the identifications that go with certain theories, I, I just slip. You know, I got to pr- work harder on that. Um, but I totally so understand. Tarot, tarot is fascinating, and I would love to see what a deck from you looks like. And, and I think one of the beautiful things about tarot and about the age that we're in is that there are people who are evolving it and expanding it, or they're coming up with their new systems. Um, there's a lot of people who are now making oracle cards, so they're not tarot cards per se, but they're still cards of divination and they're inventing their own symbols and images and systems and and you know the fact that tarot is so popular now too i think speaks to the fact that people are hungering for knowledge and hungering to explore the immaterial realm but then to you know integrate it back you know when i when i heard you say before that you could potentially like lose yourself in all this. I think a lot of people are afraid of that happening, but in fact, a big part of magic is yes, you can go to this outer rim, you can access this invisible world, but the real magic is then how do you integrate that back? That's right. How do you balance the spirit and the body? How do you balance paying your mortgage and the fact that you're generating all of this, you know, what I would call magical energy. You're throwing these shapes on these huge stages. And it takes a real, um, it takes discipline, it takes intention, it takes practice, but it is so possible, I think, for, you know, someone like yourself, for anyone listening to figure out how to integrate that 
spiritual energy, the, that esoteric exploration with the, you know, what we, we might call the mundane world, the material world. And that to me is where the real magic is. People who can blend the two together in a holistic, integrated way and not lose themselves in either world, you know? That, that's right. I had, a, I had a friend once tell me something very, it blew my mind. Uh, he was sober, living the sobriety life, needing to live the sobriety life. And we were talking about it, and I went to an NA meeting with him once, and we were talking, and he said, Clown, did you ever think what it's like if you were to be just sober? And, I mean, he's not talking to me directly. He said, we're just talking about life. He's like, did you ever wonder what it would be like if every day you were opening up your life to this place without chemicals, what would happen if you had 20 years free of sugar, caffeine, nicotine, drugs of any type, and every day you were practicing opening yourself up to just what this place is? And that blew my mind because... Mm. I feel like the system has taught me to try and escape and offered me things to offer me a moment of escape. There is no escaping the earth. There's no escaping the volcano, the lightning, the rain. There's no altering the earth, the sun. There isn't. You have to submit control. You cannot. So when I say lose it, I feel like I have a bigger cause in, within me. I always have felt that way. But I'm not yeah. going to get down a, a religion hole because it's not for me. That's all it is. I just I can't open my real self to things that that just just don't aren't acquired. They're just not part of me. I don't feel, and I'm not political, and I'm not a survivalist. Do I like you know? I follow politics, but I'm not smart enough in that world because I don't want that negativity. That's what makes me, you know, whatever, but I don't want that. I'm aware of religion. I respect faith. I will never tell anybody what to believe, but I've always felt like on a human sense I had a bigger calling than just because I'm just one-ninth of what I do. But I love, <clears throat> I love all this kind of uh, stuff uh, of just it, – it all boils – I guess what I'm saying is it all boils down to oneself. You know, to just adhering to your own ability to recognize how you feel. Feelings are chemical. You make them. You can't make me feel anything. I make myself feel through chemicals. You can't even trigger me. I allow you to trigger me. It's all chemical. Wouldn't it be interesting when you can control your chemicals? They say, in theory, when you can use more of your brain potentially in the future, you might be able to self-heal more because you, you might be able to acknowledge that you have white blood cells and send them to the area. I mean, I think we can do that now, but we're just locked in. So I'm fascinated with this ability for all of us to go more inward because it's not working on this planet now. There's 7 billion people. And it's just, it's not working. We're seeing it right now, firsthand. The most simplest organisms just mandating authority on the planet, everywhere. I mean, it's just the simplest of thoughts proving to us what life really is and what life really isn't, what's important and what's not. 
So yeah, scary, scary to let go. When when do you think you when do you think you let just gave in and just didn't worry about what anyone was going to think? Not that you maybe you ever did, but when did you just give fully into your own potential and then start building on it? What age? You know, that's such a great question because I had a corporate job for a long time and I was actually quite successful in this corporate job and I wasn't I wasn't pretending not to also be a witch anyone at work who knew me knew my interests and you know I've been writing and you know curating art shows about magic and teaching and all this other stuff even while I had that day job um, but you know, it's definitely something that I compartmentalized to some degree. And then just, you know, I kind of kept peeling back layer after layer after layer until maybe about, gosh, it might have been four or five years ago. I I just, I, I had, I don't know that I would call it a, a, a crisis, but I just couldn't take it anymore. I was so miserable and I felt pulled in these two different directions. I had this whole magical creative life on nights and weekends and I would have this big corporate job during the day and I started getting depressed and more anxious and really felt not integrated. I felt like I was kind of being torn in two and bless my incredible husband um, who, you know, allowed me, well, maybe that's not the right framing, who, who assisted me in figuring out how can I really step into my power in a public way. You know, I was still doing magic and doing a lot of things in public already, but I hadn't quite taken the big like, ta-da, this is, this is, this is what I'm devoted to 100% leap. And then, um, you know, I stepped away from my day job. I thought it was just going to be for six months. And during those six months, I started my podcast and worked more on my book and sold the book. And lo and behold, the other thing I want to say is I was also really following a lot of signs, what I call following the trail of cosmic breadcrumbs. Like, I think sometimes we get these signs, these messages, these clues that kind of tell us we're on the right track. Um, For me, I have this deep connection with the goddess Artemis, who's the Greek goddess of the moon. I loved her since I was a child. And all of a sudden, I would see these images of arrows and deer and the moon and, you know, her name would pop up. Um, and that kind of felt like her telling me in a way, whether symbolically or not, that I was on the right path. And so, you know, eventually I just I quit the job and have been doing this full time ever since. So it's been a process that really has and it continues to be a process for sure. Well, you, you were saying earlier, you know, you were like, look. You know, I'm responsible. I have a mortgage. I pay it, everybody. You know, it's like, you know, everybody gets these ideas of what it was. And I'm here to tell everybody, you know, you have a book. And it's not easy to, A, come up with the idea of making a book, let alone writing a book, having the discipline to do that, and then find someone who wants to put the book out and then give it to the world to 
make it acceptable or not. So, you know, how did you feel about, I feel like with what we're talking about finding, I feel like a big piece of you that you have found is the ability to translate it from the subconscious out to the consciousness here and make it tangible. I'm holding it in my hand. It's tangible. It's from your brain, disciplined, out. Here it is in my hand. That's quite a feat. I've tried to do it a couple times, and I just, I missed the mark. You know, I missed the mark on who I am. So how hard was it to write this book? Was it, did it just, was it effortless? Or was it it time? Was it time? Was it a feat? What was it? Well, first of all, thank you for acknowledging all that. And I'll say this was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. Um, And you hear that a lot from writers. You know, they say that it's so much work and it's so hard and whatever. And you hear it, but until you actually do it, I think it's hard to explain because it's just you. There aren't collaborators. All you really have is your brain, your research, and your, you know, notebook or your computer. And so there were days when it felt like squeezing blood from a stone. You're really just like squeezing your brain and the focus and the discipline to write a book. And it made me respect anyone who's written a book, even books I think are really shitty because I now know what it takes in terms of that focus and that discipline to, to do that work. Um, you know, and, and as with anything, and I imagine you might feel the same way as a musician, there were days when the words flowed and there were days when they absolutely didn't. And I was proud of myself if I wrote two sentences, you know, and um, just sticking with it and showing up every day, despite the days when it feels really grueling, is is I think the real the real important piece of it. You know, you just keep doing it and doing it. And for me, what got me through was not not to get stuck in my ego, like oh, I want a book out so everyone thinks I'm so smart and the book is so great. Of course. I have an ego and part of me hoped that would happen, but I would try to tap into the greater, um, the greater offering or the greater intention behind the book, which is, I hope this book is of service to people. I hope it's of service to spirit. I hope it gives them the knowledge, the inspiration, the strength, the information, the hope that they need And so whenever I would try to tap into that current instead of, oh, I want to impress people, that's what would carry me through. Because I can be a perfectionist. I can be very self-critical. And I found that when I get caught up in that shit, it's because I'm just worried about little me and my little ego and how people perceive me rather than my greater purpose, which I think we all have, which is to help each other and to be a channel for creative force and love and compassion and healing and magic. So that's what really got me through on those tough days. And and I'm really grateful it's out there. Well, it's uh, quite uh, quite an accomplishment. I love, uh, I love the way it feels. Uh, You chose good color and a good feeling. It feels, uh, feels real. I wrote, I was asked, well, 
I, I wrote a book, you know, about the band and, and really the idea was to write a manual. And when I gave it to someone to read, I asked them what they thought and they gave me a bunch of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? And then they, they was like, let me read it again. And that was a bad sign that they had to read it again. And then they read it again. I was like, okay, what'd you think? And he's like, it's like a manual. And I was like, I'll never put it out. I'm like, that, that is not me. That's the system. So like a year ago, I finally hit it. It finally hit me. It's my responsibility to tell the truth to the best of my knowledge as I remember it. This, this trail that I've been on, this path that has separated and been forked and, and had good times and bad times, uphill, downhill, through water, you know, poison ivy, the whole deal. Um, it's my responsibility on this planet to tell the truth as best as I remember it. And that's not what I was doing. I was just kind of explaining like, oh, this guy came in at this time and left at this time. I mean, that's just not me. You know, I need to, it's more like why this guy even showed up and why this guy no longer showed up. You know what I mean? So yes, uh, it's, quite yes. a, a, it's very hard to be intimate with yourself, right? You know, it's easy to go, I'm going to write a book. And then you start doing, you're like, what the hell am I talking about? Like you have to get a, a chapter name and then you got to follow that chapter. And then you're like, well, why did I even come up with that chapter name? Now I need to come up with another chapter name and follow my instincts. So I think writing a book, getting it out and then facilitating the system by, you know, you have all this lovely blue and then you get it on the back and boom, there it is. Barcode. There it is. That's the real, that's the, that's what makes it tangible because that's the system. That's their world right there. Boosh. Yep. But that's what makes an accomplishment out of your subconscious. It's so hard to get that. That barcode is very difficult to obtain. And when you say you respect people that write shitty books, I'm right there with you because they still cut through and, and somehow for themselves cut through and got something very important done. And hopefully they build on it and make it better for themselves. Well, absolutely. I would be very interested as we were talking, we won't go into it. One thing I want to tell you is uh, again, I, I really enjoyed our, our, our talk and thank you for spending time in this day in this world. Um, I had a couple thoughts. One is I'm writing a movie, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because that's a whole other thing. But there is definitely a place for you in my movie, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. I'll have we'll, we'll we'll get on the phone and talk about. It. But I have just these visions of uh, things we've been talking about. You're going to be perfect in this movie that I'm making. And I'm just bringing it up because it's for my fans. I'm making a movie where everything in it is what I've wanted to do, and I'm making it specifically for the people in this reality that enjoy my art and want to indulge in it. I'm not worried about, you know, production companies and all this stuff. I'm just going to make something for the people that want it. I'm not worried about the people that don't want it. So I wanted to tell you that. And I'll leave you hanging awesome. a little bit on that. But I know. I'm, gonna, I'm so intrigued, I have to say. And thanks for thinking I, of me. Yeah, no, I have to think about the part. But the, uh, the, the, I, I can't give away the name quite yet. But uh, 
Um, I'm going to contact you very soon. I got to figure it out. I'm going to get the exact thing, but I do want to contact you. So I want to tell you that. And that leads me to the next thing, which is everyone I talk to, I'd love to check in again. And it may be in just a little bit because I put these up at different times. But um, everyone that I talk to, I like to think because we're two different people that never met and had a conversation, we can have another conversation and build and maybe even become friends. And then when we see each other, you know, please, if I'm in your neck of the woods, please reach out somehow because um, we all have the, the people and come be a part of my my ritual and uh, again I think there's some things I could learn from you um, so we will be in touch and that'd be great because knowledge is something you you give and I have a feeling there's some things you could teach me now with all that I have one very odd question and I'm only asking it because I believe that you can be honest, and I only ask the honest people. And you might laugh, and you might go, oh, this sucks, or whatever, but I think it's relevant. <laughs> it's relevant because you brought up the word unicorn, and you brought up <laughs> other things that gave me hope. And I, I just wanted to ask you a simple question, and that is, before we go, is that I am a big, big-time believer, and there's no argument or fight I don't have a pulpit or a stand. I'm not trying to convince people. I don't need to. Um, I am an advocate of Sasquatch. And nice. I am hugely involved in it because of the Indian community having every tribe having documentation and history of this uh, being. Now, Anyone I talk to in the Indian community, I will always get handed the word spirit first. I will uh. always get handed. And I am only bringing it up to you today, right now. You brought up unicorn. You brought up mythology. You brought up all this. I'm just simply asking a question. Could there be a chance that Sasquatch is a spirit like the Indians possibly believe spirit in and out? What do you think about that without getting into I, any sort of conspiracy? Right, right. I absolutely believe that it's possible that that is a spiritual entity. I mean, look, we've seen in lots of indigenous tribes and um, you know people who have shamans as part of their groups, and I'm thinking of, of some indigenous tribes in South America who – you know, when they do ayahuasca, let's say, you know, they drink this sacred drink and trance out and they see all of these different spirits. And, you know, in the case of ayahuasca, it's supposed to be some kind of serpent spirit. Um, so I think there is so much that we don't understand. I yes, think our senses yes. can only perceive a very limited amount. And there right. absolutely could be all different kinds of spirits and entities, but I am definitely not an expert on what those all might be. So I think yeah, there's hope either. for you, clown. <laughs> but, well, you know, it, it really is just from being a child and very early being imprinted that the Indian community is fully aware and, and will openly speak of this in a way that, how do I say it? Just 
American United States people who came over, you know, no, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? But like, it's a whole different thing when you're in that community speaking of it and what they acknowledge, even with the United States government, what they've acknowledged, what is written, what is what it has been written down in history and been told and seen. It's just an amazing thing to me because I find it, if there is something on this planet that has spent its entire existence avoiding us and is doing a great job of it, it is proof that I know nothing, that uh. I, am being, I am being held. I need to be held accountable to this system. And again, I like to tell people this system has been made by humans. So what is really going on is why I still search in these realms, because if, if there is a possibility, then what I believe in, I don't know if it's believable. I don't know if everything I've been taught from day one has to be believed, you know, and I'm just denying myself my, my full potential. And that's why I was really looking forward to this conversation because, um, you know, to rock a word like clown is hard, and I mean mm. it, and people know it, and and I'm no longer Sean. I'm I'm just clown, and mm. I, I'm third I'm third personed out all day long. <laughs> just wow. You know, people will be like, you know, do you, do you want that color of bus? I'll be like, ah, clown don't like that. Oh, we don't want to piss him off. Um. So what we'll do, and then they'll be like, hey, asshole, quit doing that. I'll be like, hey, you're the one going with it. You're the one putting me there, so I'm going to live it. So I, it's hard to rock the word witch, I would, uh, to, I would assume, in a world that has been conditioned to believe one way. And I don't believe it's the fear of the witch. I believe it's the fear of one's, the witch in oneself. Like mm. all of it, and that's why I was really looking forward to it because I get the sense that you're really unlocking the individual power and doing a good job expressing that to people to look inward and stand up to to yourself. So anyway, hope that's a little right. Anyway, ah, oh, well, that really means the world to me, and and I think the words and the symbols that we gravitate towards and that we feel called to identify with or as are really important, you know, and the fact that clown has helped you be even more yourself and be, you know, as expansive as you possibly can be is so, so powerful and so inspiring. And that's certainly what the word witch has done for me. So thank you exactly. so much for saying all that. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Uh, this was a lot of fun for me. I'm, 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 you know, I love to talk to my peers. Uh, a lot of my peers are my friends. Um, I see a lot of my friends out in the racket. Usually we only have 10, 15 minutes in catering before we got to go and take care of ourselves and our, the regular schedule of keeping care of oneself to get up there and perform. So the podcast is fun for me to do my peers because now – I can not worry about that blatant, how's the family, how are you, what's going on, blah, 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 catering conversation. And I can be like, do you like to fish? You know what I mean? We can go there. So yeah. I love, 
finally I'm branching out. Um, I've been doing the podcast a minute, and I'm branching out, and I just love this, being able to branch out and get to the root of all things. So this was really enjoyable for me. Please, let's talk again. Be safe in this world, and, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm very intrigued, and I'll be talking to you soon. I'm going to figure out your part. I believe you're going to probably read tarot in the movie. That's what my soul is telling me. I had this vision while we were talking, and I was like, that's it. Because I have this scene where some tarot is being done and stuff, and also uh, the tarot place is also a place of contacting the dead. So I just have to figure out, are you contacting the dead? Are you the dead? Are you the person that's in asking the person? You know, I don't know yet. We just, I have to assess it through, but I think we're going to know each other for a while. <laughs> I certainly hope so. This was such a treat for me. And I have to say, as someone who also has a podcast, I have this podcast called The Witch Wave. It was really hard for me to not ask you a thousand questions because there's so much I want to know about you. So I can't well, wait to talk to you again. Yeah, please, uh, please, I, and I try to tell people, and, and everybody that works with me, you know, management, just people that help me stay organized, I have such wonderful people that just understand me, and please, like, when we're done here, um, I will express that if you would like to do a, a podcast and you would like to have, I, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to invite myself or something. Oh, like my, that. Saying, you have an open you, invitation yeah. You are welcome on the Witch Wave anytime. Well, it would be an honor, and we can geek out more about magic and music. That would be okay. such a treat. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. What I will do, um, you know, they record this. They're on right now, you know, helping us out, make sure that this gets to the right people the right way. So they're, they know what we're talking about right now. They will contact you. And let's let a couple weeks go by so you can think about it and feel good, whatever. But please, I would love to do that. That's what this is about. This is about meeting, communicating, and furthering it. It doesn't in my world. Let's further it in your world. That's really what communication is, and that's what I'm trying to do is have it being so inspiring that, look, what it can already do. It can motivate itself over into your world, and you can flip the coin, and we can still maintain what we're doing and talking about, but we can build on it by you being interested in talking to me about some of my things or what, whatever. So it's, it's great. Yeah. I'd love to. Please, I'd be honored if I could do that. Um, so we'll do that. And, again, have a, a thank you. Have a great day. And uh, I think we'll be talking uh, really soon, actually. So it'll be great. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Clown, and you stay healthy and safe and full of magic. I, I will, and you stay uh, safe and healthy as well and full of magic as well, and we will be talking very soon. Have a great night. You too.